Hey there, we hope you enjoy this episode of the Travel Exchange Podcast brought to you by Herman Global, a strategic tourism marketing firm providing inspirational thoughts that are worldwide and worth sharing. You can find more information about us on www.hermanglobal.com. So in this episode, we will talk about expectations for global tourism recovery in 2021. And I had a guest with me on the show. His name is Santiago Rodriguez. He is a research professor and we hired him actually a few months ago as our new research director of Herman Global. He's very good on strategy and methodology for international marketing as well as uh, international training. So enjoy about listening to him about the strategy of how can we reboot international travel, especially for emerging destinations. And good morning here from Land of Wyoming. This is Florian from the Travel Exchange and CEO of Herman Global. Thank you so much to tuning in to another session of the Travel Exchange. And so, yeah, we do this for the travel and tourism industry. It's today, it's uh, January 7, 2021. So we are in the new year. Last year was a challenging year for the travel tourism industry and literally for everyone. I think no one really can claim that this was a great year last year. And I'm glad I put this to rest and look into future years. And 2021 is here. I wanna look into 2021, 2022, 2023. And today we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about bringing back the conversation about international travel and the big word here of the year 2021 is recovery. Um, recovery is something that we all kind of planning for as experts, tourism marketers, specialists, and I'm very excited that I actually have someone here with me on the show. And um, he's actually our research director of Herman Global, and his name is, uh, I call him Santiago, but of course it's Santiago Rodriguez, um, originally from South America. Um, I'm gonna read uh, a little bio quickly about it, but I also wanna introduce yourself. But um, so Santiago is a truly international citizen, and he's originally from Ecuador and currently lives in Germany. He's also German, a fellow German as I am and he pursues his passion building international links to foster sustainable development through tourism. So truly a gem in international travel and global travel building sustainability. And um, he's very, very um, thoughtful with uh, tourism, including scientific research um, and works a lot on project management, implementation of development programs, initiatives for international cooperation, international commercialization, and the application of cloud-based technology and tourism. So what I like, especially with uh, Santiago, he is an entrepreneur, um, as we all are, and I'm glad you're part of the team here, Santiago, especially you have developed something, it's called the IMAP, and we will talk about this later as well. But yeah. let's give that over to you, Santiago. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. Very happy to be to be uh, part of the team of Herman Global, but especially today to join this uh, this episode of the podcast. Hello to everybody listening. Really nice to be uh, in touch with you through this opportunity. 
uh, with with Florian and all the team of Hermann Global. So yeah, over here in Germany, I'm, I'm in Germany right now. Mm -hmm. um, over here in Germany, things are slowly, uh, let's say, the, the hope is slowly growing, given to all the, thanks to all the vaccines that are, are rolling out. And it looks like we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. But now the question is, of course, how fast and how good is it to have expectations on fast recovery or whether we should be more you know, strategic and really reflect on how to do things differently of what we did before. But well, I think we will get into that further in the, in the conversation. I just start by saying hello to everybody. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, so we used the podcast about expectations for global tourism recovery in 2021. Expectations. Everyone has expectations, ideas, thoughts. Um, so I want to kind of uh, keep this on a high level as well to talk about international travel for 2021. But um, so you mentioned that you're very... Um, uh, like experienced in international travel and can you explain this a little bit what are you doing exactly with international travel what's your what's your background there okay well I have I have a lot of experience managing uh, local tourism destinations and managing uh, facilitating multi multi um, stakeholders decision-making processes for planning and local development sustainable development and after many years of experience in South America working in the destination side, mm -hmm. I, um, I decided that I also wanted to explore and have experience in the other side, you know, in the, in the origin markets side. And that's when I started my, my doctoral research and I came to Europe. And my case study was the relationship between Germany as a source market and Ecuador as a, as a destination. And in that case, I could, because of, of this research, I could look with high detail into all the barriers and enhancers that actually allow destinations to attract, you know, not just any type or, or any number of tourists, but to attract specifically the type of visitors that destinations require to accomplish their local development goals and thinking in tourism as a means for sustainable development and not um, to think in tourism as an end uh, on itself. Um, we can see we can see the example of destinations that actually around the world very famous destinations that who are dying of success you know cases like Venice cases like Amsterdam um, cases like Hawaii who are uh, dying because of over tourism and they actually don't know um, how to manage or the flows well they used to have before the pandemics but now all these destinations are now having new opportunities are having a restart thanks to thanks to Corona. You know, every tragedy has also a positive side. Have this opportunity to restart and rethink how to manage things. So during my research, um, I really explored in detail all these relationships between destinations and, and uh, source markets. And well, yeah, among other things, I published different articles talking about all these all these processes, explaining how all these processes happen. But alongside academia and, and science, as you mentioned, I'm also an entrepreneur, so I started to develop several tools. And this is because of my destination management background. Mm -hmm. I have my, one part of my heart is in science, 
but the other part of my heart is in more practical uh, things as well. So I developed different tools and methodologies to help destinations to actually enhance their capacities to attract the desired type of visitors they are looking for. Okay, no, that's, that's great. So I wanna um, talk about, or maybe just um, give a little bit of an overview. There are travel destinations that have a really healthy domestic regional source market, like let's say the United States or Germany or Europe in general, there's a lot of travelers and we know they would rather travel first to their backyard since, you know, that's it's considered safe after the pandemic or even during the pandemic still. And uh, But there are also destinations, let's say Iceland, right, or like mm -hmm. the, the Caribbean islands or like uh, maybe Africa. Their international travel from Europe on Asia is probably 90%, right? They have not a yeah. domestic travel lag. And of course. these ones are very, very kind of like interested in what are you going to do? How are we going to restart international travel? How do we do that, right? So I wanted to mm. ask you in general, when you look at the world map, um, what destinations do you think, you know, for example, um, have a good recovery on international travel. Where are the ones we think maybe are the first, right? Um, I've seen one article uh, recently that was about Israel. Israel is opening up mm -hmm. borders in July for international travel for everyone, all restrictions in place. But where, who do you think are the pioneers where we get international travel back in the world? Mm. Okay, well, I think that the, there will be two type of pioneers. Mm -hmm. uh, the one type, um, Destinations and societies that we're more used to see more, you know, a structured process and that one can say that you can trust more on the fact that they are doing things right, mm -hmm. you know, in con controlling um, the requirements to visit the country and controlling crowds or n number of visitors or conditions to visit. And the second type of destinations, those that are just expecting for people to arrive in any with it under any condition because there will always be travelers wanting to go somewhere okay um, so the question here is I think the destination should, should ask themselves which type of destination was I before COVID and which type of destination I want to be after COVID and, and for this I would I would like I was just reading this article and I just want would like to to read this phrase here really really to the point that says two things that define uh, that define you. Two things that define you are your patience when you have nothing, and your attitude when you have everything. So your patience when you have nothing, and your attitude when you have everything. Mm -hmm. So many destinations okay. that were complaining about having nothing. I mean, not not having tourism. Now that the pandemic came, now they really have nothing, and all destinations are experiencing really having nothing. Um, so this is an opportunity to think what was my attitude when I had what I had before, which compared to now was everything. Mm -hmm. And the question is now looking forward, what should I do um, to go into this new new normal in, in better conditions? Mm -hmm. So I think that, um, I mean, at, at least for me, I think the most important question, um, more important than asking which uh, which ones will be like like top destinations after the pandemic is to think what type of destination do i want after the the pandemic nevertheless um answering to to your questions i mean there have been a lot of discussions about which type of destinations will be the first ones uh, to recover 
And of course, I mean, the, the trend is that uh, destinations that, of course, offer, offer uh, biosecurity conditions that have been training their local actors to, go, to, to comply with biosecurity conditions that provide um, information before the, the trip, um, which type of behavior should I have to secure my health and, this, and the health of others. Destinations that, of course, limit the number of visitors in closed spaces, but especially destinations that offer a lot of activities in open spaces. Mm -hmm. And because of this, of course, we are seeing also an opportunity for the rise of untraveled destinations. I mean, destinations that, I mean, the, the, the non-famous typical destinations. I mean, this is the opportunity for those destinations which are not Paris, which are not Rome, which are not Rio de Janeiro. Uh, these other destinations that are thousands of those around the world, but just because of marketing power or, or you know prestige or history, they are not well known. So now more than ever, small destinations or unknown destinations, if they do a good management of content and information, uh, they have the opportunity uh, to attract more more visitors or at least to attract new visitors, the type of visitors that they would desire to have if they do a good management of content online. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, that's that's good. I, I'm i kind of maybe brainstorming here a little bit as well. Um, I don't really have the research and it's really hard to find research on this kind of what the forecast is looking. But um, I think the destinations that will come out of this for this year in 2021 are for sure destinations, as you mentioned, that have good measurements in place of entry. Um, and managing it. I know that China was really kind of the first one, like Asia in general, like uh, South South Korea, um, I don't know about Thailand, uh, but these places have really gotten their cases under control, um, including New Zealand, by the way. Um, it seems mm -hmm. like that's really kind of almost COVID-free right now. And they're probably the first ones to say, well, we are, have it under control now, and now we want to get back to international travel for leisure travel. Um, and I think, uh, you know, vaccinations, having a pass, a immunity pass or something like this is probably going to be something that first ones that come back is that have these, these uh, implementations uh, established. Um, you know, I, I think that probably is, uh, is for sure. I, I look into the, one, the countries that was where we see the national travel coming back first, probably um, when I look in the source markets um, from Europe and Asia, I mean, nearby markets, countries offshore, for sure. Like, you know, when, when you live in Europe, you're feeling more comfortable going back to, to Italy as a vacation. It's just, you know, uh, a one day trip away. Uh, mm -hmm. And then sitting in a plane and doing long haul, that is something that, uh, you know, like we will, we will see that, but it still comes, I think, in phases. And the, um, the, the countries that and also the airlines that really kind of work well together to build these policies of having a, a, a safe travel method not having these infections will ultimately be the winners um, I know there's a lot of talk on the airlines that they want to take the leadership on how to travel internationally safely since you know we, we haven't really mm -hmm. had any any uh, news that someone got infected in a plane and it was just a kind of a a super spreading event where everyone was infected. So I think um, the, the airline industry does have a really good chance to bring the international travel back quickly 
by implementing policies and working closely together with uh, local governments. So um, the one thing that I wanted to mention, I know we got a little bit on this, um, the, um, that's wh what you mentioned earlier, what really kind of stuck out was you said, and I'm, I'm saying in my own words, like the cards, yep. like everyone is right now empty, right? We have not really an international uh, like uh, travel uh, rush right now. But I think what you said earlier, that the cards are being uh, new, newly shuffled. I just say this maybe right now. So every destination yeah. near or far has a chance or known or unknown to really get on the international bandwagon because people really kind of re reset the button and saying where I'm going. It's going to be different. And I think yeah. that, that, is, that is great. And, I, you know, I, I talk a lot about the United States and I live here, but I want to ask, talk with you specifically, since you are from South America, you live in Europe, and you work with communities in areas that are just lesser known, like in Ecuador. Um, yeah. um, and you said, like, you, you built something, it's called the IMAP. It's International mm -hmm. Market Access Program. Explain that to me. I mean, what is it in, in short? Like, how does it work? And what what is kind of your thought process on this? How you get destinations lesser known ready for international? Okay. Uh, well, in, in short words, uh, the IMAP stands for International Market Access Program. And this is basically um, a capacity building and mentoring a coaching program that may last between three to six months working with uh, the destination local organizations it might be a destination management organization a, a group of tour operators or a tour operators uh, association whatever and through this program we take you from um, data analysis the conception of what you want the development of the products and the implementation of the commercialization tools Okay, mm -hmm. including the marketing and, and everything and everything that to try to help these organizations or destinations with destinations are basically a collective group of, of actors trying to develop tourism. So trying to or facilitating the work between these collectives to do to do things in the in order. Usually destinations and governments when they talk about tourism, the first thing they think about is about doing marketing. Mm -hmm. and, and many times we see in international trade fairs or, or uh, I don't know, in, in social media, we see beautiful pictures and beautiful photographs and behind that, there's nothing behind that. I mean, mm -hmm. just, and, and that's so nonsense. I mean, there's no product, there's no company providing a tour for that. Uh, there's no way to, to buy an experience, to, uh, to, to buy a tour to experience that, that picture that they sell. And that is so crazy as thinking that that um, a car company will first make the, the publicity about the car without knowing how to build the car. And it, it sounds nonsense, but there are a lot of destinations, I mean, the majority of destinations or, or tourism offices or destination man management organizations, they are doing only marketing without mm -hmm. developing anything. And marketing actually, it's very important, but it comes, let's say, almost at the end of the process. Mm -hmm. So the International Market Access Program, what helps to local destinations or to or to regional or national destinations is to do the process in order okay once again from data analysis to decide what type of tourism they want considering the local culture and, and their local uh, development objectives um, then the training or, or of, of the local people because remember this is not 
a typical consultancy or, or, or advisory program where you where you just deliver a, a document. This is a training program. This is a mentoring program, and we implement things with uh, taking the hands, let's say, of the people in charge in place, and and then we just leave, and and after we um, create the capacities and transfer the technologies. Okay, so we analyze the data, we decide with the locals what they want uh, for the local development, we help them develop the products, and finally we implement the commercialization tools and the strategies with them. That's great, um, and I love it, and I love that approach. Um, I also agree that we are a marketing company, <laughs> so we, like, Marketing is great, and I love it, and I'm passionate about it. Of course. But if you don't have a product, that's that's just that's that will be a nightmare, right? And the never that I always tell my customers, the number one thing you never want to do is don't promise anything that you cannot deliver on, right? Yeah. If you say we have clean beaches, and you come there and you don't have clean beaches, not good, right? I mean, you can't control yeah. the weather. I get that. I mean, if it's you know if you have blue skies and it's crappy weather and you arrive at the destination I mean we understand but uh, like the naturally it's about that authenticity and really show what the product is and I love the way how you say this um, that uh, you need to really go research driven into this to find out what your product is right um, let's talk about a little bit about tour operators right the, mm -hmm. the tour operators are kind of recovering this economy the tourism economy next year I mean they are the ones that are initiating and they bring the people out and say go travel and do this they help yeah. in marketing right mm -hmm. um, what do you think a destination should do like any of your uh, working with tour operators what's your recommendation what should they do for saying you need to become market ready right mm -hmm. we talked about you need to have a really good product but any kind of thoughts on how destinations should work with tour operators Okay, uh, this is, I mean, this is really important. This is, this is key for destination development because we've been talking about destination management organizations, government office, etc., etc. But at the end, the ones doing the work with real potential for uh, sustainable development through tourism are tour operators. And why is that? Because tour operators, they are, um, in, in an article, they're called the gateway keepers to destinations because it's in some form they are the link between the diverse little or middle size but the diverse service providers such as accommodation the tour guide the attractions the food the transportation etc and and they are like the the orchest orchestrators you know the catalyzers to bring together all those service providers in the destination and create uh, a valuable, a, minimal, uh, a meaningful experience for the visitor. But the big challenge for tour operators is that around 90% of them around the world are middle or small enterprises. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, there there is a different conception of tour operators uh, when you talk at international levels and when you talk at the level of destinations. At international, in an inter international level, tour operators or the companies that are called tour operators are actually big corporations who are actually doing doing the, 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 the sale part of the product. But these big corporations, that they call themselves tour operators, are actually subcontracting local tour operators who are the ones who have the real knowledge of how to do and how, how to operate and the connections and the trust um, of, the, of the local visitors. So destinations should work and support their local tour operators. They mm -hmm. know each other, and especially in small, medium-sized uh, destinations, they are really familiar one with the other. 
Um, and the International Market Access Program, actually, this is one of the recommendations and strategies. I mean, to work with the DMOs and a group of tour operators to build all these products and develop all, all, develop all these new products. So my recommendation is actually this. I mean, uh, work together. Uh, try to try to develop and reinforce your capacity for networking and to reinvent the type of things you want to offer. Um, this pandemic, what has shown us is that actually destinations, many destinations, they really didn't have an audience. For many destinations, visitors were just arriving because there were transportation and there was information and if visitors arrived, it was okay and visitors stopped arriving, they, they didn't know why. But this pandemic has really showed that once visitors stop arriving to a destination in a spontaneous way, which is most of the cases, destinations and tour operators, they realized they didn't have an audience to talk to. They didn't have um, distribution channels built. They didn't have communication channels built. But this is really hard for tour operators to do it by themselves. Because as I mentioned, most of them are just medium or small companies. Mm -hmm. And that's when destination management organizations have to come to, uh, uh, to to the scene and fill that gap mm -hmm. and, and help two operators in a collective way to try to work together this new identity, this innovation of offer for the destination and then put in place commercialization tools. Actually, one of the main results of my, of my doctoral research after we made um, research in Europe and in Latin America about what were the main barriers for international market access, we identified 42 barriers and then we prioritized them. And the number one barrier was the capacity for collective action. And the capacity to, yeah. to, 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 to have collective action in a destination was what for everybody, uh, private companies, big companies, local governments, uh, everybody, coincided that that was the biggest barrier to achieve international market access. Mm -hmm. So networking is key. Destination management organizations should be the specialists helping to uh, enhance that networking, and tour operators mm -hmm. should be the, like the logistic partners of the destinations mm -hmm. who assure good quality in, the, uh, um, in place at mm -hmm. the destination. Okay, no, that's great. So I have a question that's something that I'm thinking a lot on international travel and uh, I'm excited that we're talking about international travel this year because last year it was really difficult. So like the, when le let's do the example like if I was in Germany or I live in Colorado or like you know in the mm -hmm. United States and I want to go to Ecuador, right? So yeah. how do I book this? Like how do I find it, like how, how do I find this experience? And then I try to find understand the consumer, right? So naturally yeah. you would probably Google things, you go on TripAdvisor and find this is really cool, Ecuador. And then yeah. you find maybe some tour operators that are specialized to say, here, I give you the perfect guided tour, right? That's, and these are the, yeah. this, these FIT tour operators that we know and we work with that offer these customized, very highly experiential programs, right? And, but there's also this other group, and I know that I have one in my family and he's like uh, 24 years old, and he is all about booking this <coughs> by yourself. I'm just going on yeah. uh, booking.com, Expedia, and I go out and mm -hmm. explore. I get a visa, and this is what I do. I have some friends down there. So yeah. you see these two kind of balances, like the organized tour operator experience, and then you have the, the, the direct-to-consumer 
experiential traveler wants to explore and go out. Where do you see potential for tourism destinations when you look at these two kind of packages or experiences? Okay, this is so important what you mentioned, and that's the point of, of all the arguments we're making here. I mean, let's say the first case, let's call it the spontaneous tourism. The, peop the person that, that they take the internet, Google, and they are booking the hotel by themselves, and they are a ticket by themselves, and, and they jump from city to city or from attraction to attraction depending on the mood, on, on, on the go. This is the type of tourism, the spontaneous tourism, that that is typically arriving to any destinations and the type of tourism that I mentioned before, the destinations don't, don't, don't have a control over that. Mm -hmm. They welcome that tourism, okay, it's great that, that, that it comes, but at the end, destinations realize, um, given the pandemic, that they didn't have any, any audience to talk to, any mm -hmm. channels to talk to. Okay, it's okay, tourism is arriving, but maybe it's not the type of tourism that 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 uh, that we want to arrive for a destination. As an example, in Ecuador, as you mentioned, Ecuador, I come from a city called Cuenca. We have four different UNESCO uh, de de declarations in the city. Mm -hmm. um, nevertheless, the main type of tourism that we receive there is backpackers. Mm -hmm. This type of spontaneous tourism, um, and actually, the city is really struggling to try to change that because with that type of visitors independently of the fact that the backpackers have, uh, have the reputation that they are like low low spending uh, visitors, they, they travel in a budget. But the other downside is that you cannot predict what is going to come, uh, what type of activities are going to, to develop. So this is the one type of, of visitors. And the other type of visitors that actually destinations should be striving for is organized tourism. Mm -hmm. and, and there is where you have to be proactive. There is when only doing marketing with only with the pictures doesn't work. I mean, traditional marketing, only doing marketing with pictures, that works for to try somehow to promote some spontaneous visitors, okay? But that's not the type of, um, of tourism that destinations should strive for uh, because you don't have control over that. But of course, bringing organized tourism to your destination, that's a much harder work. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need a process for. But there is where you have the opportunity to make that tourism becomes really a means for development and on, not only an end on, on itself. And to avoid ending up for one or in, in one extreme with over tourism, because suddenly you become uh, famous for any reason from, mm -hmm. from the night today to the next day you're famous and, you, and, you're, and your population is suffering because of over tourism, like in Barcelona, etc., many other examples. Or you can go to the other extreme. Mm -hmm. that you don't get to organize tourism in a more proactive way and uh, as a result you actually are not getting any visitors mm -hmm. uh, like the ca like the case uh, in Cuenca in Ecuador where 90-95% of the visitors are is spontaneous tourism so how do you book uh, a tour to, to Ecuador that's also another very interesting question because that was actually part of my research and the interesting thing for instance in Germany you know Germans are like number one international travelers in mm -hmm. the world. They go to everywhere. So when you book online, you look online or you go to, to physical travel agencies, there are a lot of travel agencies offering tours to Ecuador. But when you see what they are offering, they are offering exactly the same thing that Ecuador started to offer 30 or 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. Basically, you visit the capital, you visit two or three attractions over the capital city, Quito, 
and then you fly to Galapagos, mm -hmm. the Galapagos Islands. And by the way, a lot of people, Galapagos Islands is very famous worldwide, but many people doesn't even know that Galapagos belongs to Ecuador. Right. Yeah. And then this is typically flown to, to Galapagos, and from there they go to Cusco. And, and it's like if the rest of Ecuador doesn't exist at all. And this has been happening for 30, 40 years. And it's not that Ecuador is not known by German by German tour operators. It's not that Ecuador is not known by Germans, but it's just that Ecuadorian companies have not accomplished to bring innovative offers. Mm -hmm. And they are just trying to copy the same things that some successful companies are doing. Mm -hmm. So if someone is selling the capital city Quito with Galapagos, everybody's trying to sell that. If everybody is making a lot of advertisement in international trade fairs, everybody's trying to do that and trying to sell the same thing and the same thing. Um, and all those results are actually because of what I mentioned before. I mean, there hasn't been local actors, in the case of Ecuador, for example, that have been effectively working on enhancing collective capacity. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, capacity for collective actions for tourism development at all levels, for local development, for product development, and for marketing and, and commercialization. Okay, no, that's that's good. So I'm just uh, summarize a little bit to, for the answer. So yeah. um, both of them have the values of these type of travelers, but then for like this organized tourism, the word organized tourism with tour operators, travel agencies, showing that you should have, you should actually go to these places that are lesser known, that are safe, that are pre-organized, and that's a much better sustainable model because we don't want uncontrolled tourism, they're flooding in and they all go to the same spot at the same time and it's, it's ruining their experience, right? I mean, that's kind of exactly. what we have in a lot of places and we will probably talk sooner than later again about over-tourism. <laughs> right now we don't, but I guarantee two <laughs> years from now we'll say, hey, we have over-tourism. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, okay, so that, thanks for, thanks for doing this. I, you know that IMAP, what you mentioned, mentioned the international market access program is ultimately to develop responsible travel, to work with tour operators, to build a strategy, not to do what you have done in the past, like in the last 10 years or 15 years, but doing something new. And I wanted to ask you one more question um, from a marketing point of view, since we are marketers, but you know, and if, mm -hmm. you, if, if you don't want to answer, that's okay, but I asked this. Um, like, how should a mar how should marketing be done different in 2021 22 23 versus in the pa in the past what, what what is different in marketing you would say like what wh what's your thought on it as a final thought well my my opinion on in, in this and, and and we have discussed um largely with you is that many people think of marketing of the word marketing because it's so it's so used i mean in a very shallow way Mm -hmm. Many people think in the word marketing in a very superficial way. Mm -hmm. uh, people think of marketing, and when I uh, when I say people, I mean decision makers with a lot of power and influence at the government level, at the local level, regional level. Uh, think of marketing, and they think in printing something mm -hmm. and showing pictures. I mean to say yeah. it in the, in the in the most in the most simple way. But actually, marketing. I mean, when 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 we talk with professional marketers, they understand that marketing is not about making only um, a, a publicity spot or a poster. It's first about thinking about the product. What I'm, what do I want to sell? What I want to 
to uh, to transmit to the public and then what marketing tools can I use for that mm -hmm. so actually marketing in place implies thinking or at least connecting the marketing action with all the production process before the, the marketing actions mm -hmm. so what I what are my, my, my recommendations for marketing uh, from now on is to think or try to think in a more complete process I mean marketing is a great tool but once again it's only a tool it's only a means for what for selling something that I want to sell in this case valuable experiences for my visitors mm -hmm. and creating a valuable experience is a more a much more complex process mm -hmm. that has to come before thinking on the marketing actions mm -hmm. so next time destinations things about marketing think very well first whether I am I want to do only like you know a generic marketing about my name or do I want really to do an effective marketing connecting these marketing efforts with real products and with uh, distribution channels that can lead me mm -hmm. to real bookings yeah so ultimately strategy that's marketing which a lot of people kind of say marketing is advertising like you just have brochures and you know some some newsletters and here it is and send it out so but exactly. then I think the strategy is really kind of where the product development and how to manage tourism is really what we've talked so much in the like in the last few years um, that the tourism management is really kind of the main thing that you're focusing on I mean, where you say that's different in in the future like marketing is secondary which which I agree I I see that as well I mean um, and we are doing this in our company too is we really kind of become a lot more strategic um, and yeah. Um, but yeah so that that's good thoughts um, like we both are tourism uh, professionals, I almost said tourism marketers, but tourism professionals. Um, and in the next three years, what do you think is how's the recovery look from the graph? I mean, we know international travel is coming back, but do you think is it gonna be like going up like this, or is it going up like this? Right? Is it going up? What, what do you think? Like the next three years, how quickly do we get back international travel, and how how strong? Well, just a Bella's. As you mentioned, Israel is already announcing um, open arms for everybody since July. Um, but I think that, I mean, until the end of this year, we won't see like a real, a real, you know, uh, Boom. extreme yeah. increase mm -hmm. in in, trip, in travels. I mean, for, it all depends on, on on the vaccines and how effective countries, uh, how effectively countries will will distribute uh, the vaccines. It's been really um, a discussion that that the recovery uh, the recovery of tourism will happen from inside to outside first domestic uh, travels then regional tourism around the closer countries and then international uh, markets mm -hmm. and I think for and uh, for instance again in the case of Ecuador and in the case of other countries in South America they will just start with vaccinations from maybe from March or April mm -hmm. they will just start vaccinations from um, uh, March or April so we won't see really I think increase uh, a big increase until next year mm -hmm. I mean this year still be it will still be a, a year of patience but yeah. mm, very different than last year because last year we didn't have any certainty about a possible solution a possible cure this will be still a, a year of patience uh, a year of an opportunity to plan and to try to change things but we already see a light at the end of the tunnel 
Right. So yeah. that that would be the difference. And too soon, too fast might not be the best thing for destinations. Uh, and let's take the, the, the opportunity, this window of uh, expectation that we still have during this first half year until the end of the year to try to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And I, I, was, I would uh, just like to, to finalize to make a comment on what you just said. You, you mentioned where marketing is secondary. Well, I wouldn't say marketing is secondary. I think marketing mm-hmm. is really, really important. But what I would say is that we have to see that marketing is only one, one piece step of a process mm-hmm. and there are several steps that we must take before marketing and several other processes that we m- must take after marketing mm-hmm. and that's something that we want to help develop in destinations through the international market access program to see all the pieces and where marketing fits correctly yeah now that's that's really good and I'm so glad we have you today uh, Santiago um, like the the thing is what I think with international travel, how it's going to rebound is, I agree with you, it's going to be slow 2021 and just with arrivals, but I think this is, and we are both kind of speaking the same language here, this is a great, great opportunity for tourism destinations to say slow is good because that way you can really focus on the right audience, build the right policies, right? Exactly. And exactly. this is maybe an opportunity of a lifetime to say you hit the reset button and say, yeah. let's just focus on the ones that really are highly educated and care about the place, have a relationship with it. And it's more an organized, influenced travel where you go to the places within the destination that you really want them to go. Um, and I think, um, so that's, that's kind of uh, concludes a little bit about our expectations for global tourism recovery in 2021. Um, well, Santiago, I'm so glad you're part of the Herman Global team and um, you know, we look forward to do more of these podcasts in 2021 and uh, uh, tune in with us again. We uh, try to do this actually every month. So hopefully we mm-hmm. do it more frequently and active. So this is the Travel Exchange and thank you so much for the time and we will see you the next time. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to The Travel Exchange and you will hear from us regularly. You can find it online on iTunes, Spotify, and various other outlets. If you have any podcast topic ideas, you can use the contact form on our website, www.hermanglobal.com.